Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Guys, as a special heads up, we are going to be moving the popcorn culture video portion of the show over to the actual popcorn culture YouTube channel. It will still be the exact same show. We will still be doing the premieres every Friday morning with you guys, but we just want to migrate it from the Super Carlin Brothers main channel over to a popcorn culture channel. Yeah, that way everything on that channel can be centered around popcorn culture and I don't have to feel weird about posting inside jokes about the pop on the main channel where not everyone watches it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So if anything, it should give us a more tailor fit yes. experience. More like more inclusive to the little kernel community. Exactly, exactly. So it's just just slide on over to that spicy subscribe button over on the, the popcorn culture YouTube channel where you will continue to get the exact same show that you've always enjoyed. Yes. Maybe. Best advice, go hit subscribe right now so you don't miss it. And we're not going to move it for another like four weeks. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're going to continue to give notice for some period of time. So nothing will change for a little while. It's yeah. a graceful transition. That's right. Just letting you know in advance so you can be prepared and you don't go to Super Carlin Brothers one day and you're like, wait, where's the pop? Now you know. Now you know. What's poppin' everybody? Hello and welcome to Popcorn Culture. My name is Ben Carlin and I am your host. Here with me today is my brother Jay, who will be in every episode. Yes, known as the one true plush host by many. Some some would call it the superior host, although I have to say, Ben, I do not feel so plush this week. I was just about to say, <laughs> yeah. I was just about to say. Yeah, so this, this past weekend we had a fellow GMA member, Michael Austin's mm -hmm. um, bachelor party. That we did. Where we went to uh, Snowshoe Mountain in West Virginia. 
Virginia because everybody's favorite bachelor destination is, of course, West Virginia. West Virginia. That's where yours was, too. It is. It is yeah. exactly where it is. So we're, we're like batting, batting 500 yeah. on, on locale of bachelor parties yeah, for like the GMA. Yeah, 50% of the GMA. And then what mine was in Virginia Beach and John's was in Durham, North Carolina. So I, I would say go. John's was largely inside of a stretch Hummer limousine. That, yes, most of it. It was sort of a mobile bachelor party. It was. It was yeah. indeed. It was good times. But so, okay, this past weekend, though, we were going we were going downhill mountain biking, which you guys have, have known us to discuss before. Mm. This particular, this is like resort riding. So you go and there's actually like a chairlift that brings you back up to the top. Yeah. Meaning you don't basically have to climb anything at all. Yeah. You can just sit on the bike and steer mostly. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. there's more to it than that for sure. Yeah. 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 But not that you understand. Not that I understand <laughs> apparently at all. So, <laughs> so well, go ahead and walk us through it, Jay, because you, <clears throat> you went down. I went I went down, y'all. I went down hard. It was it was not so plush. It was more like sack of potatoes, just like flomping onto the ground. <laughs> flomping <laughs> is, is the exact appropriate onomatopoeia for the situation. I do think I do think flomp is the right word. Uh, sadly, no one saw it. I was in this weird gap within the group where you and John and Steven had like just rocketed down ahead, but I had apparently then rocketed that much further ahead of Mike as well. So you guys had rounded to the next turn and Mike hadn't come around the turn. So no one can quite describe what it looked like to me. I can only give you my, uh, my point of view the, perspective. Yeah. And, and so here's the thing too, is that like all things considered, there's no doubt about it. Like that we were going to the large side of the mountain. We yeah. had like warmed up a couple mm-hmm. of runs on like a, like a green. So it's just like skiing or snowboarding. If you're familiar with those terms, like green circle, blue square, black diamond, double black diamond, that yeah. type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we had done some greens. We were heading over to the big side of the mountain to do some blues. And I would, I would largely say that we were not even like full on, uh, like the the trail that we were going to yet we were on like the trail that leads to the trail that we were going on Mm -hmm. and i i feel like it was i i was frustrated for you because everything we're doing i mean there's no doubt about it there's there's a sense of risk or danger involved you know you're you're rocketing down a mountain you know on a bike on a bike you're going off of jumps uh if you listen to the pop regularly you know that we're constantly (laughs) getting ourselves hurt doing this Mm -hmm. um but where we were and, and what was so frustrating about your fall is that we weren't really on like the features oh, yeah. of it yet. Like the the by design jumps and rocks and, and berms and yeah. all the rest. So yeah, a lot of times or in my limited experience with the downhill parks thus far, like you're sort of like that you have the big ski trails that are like the, you know, where you ski during the actual ski season. Yes. And a lot, you don't actually bike down those sections very much, but sometimes you have to like cut horizontally across them to get like to the next section of the uh, mountain bike trail. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah so they, they've like cleared the land for the ski slopes, but it's trees otherwise. And those yeah. trees are where the bike trails are. Yeah. So we're in one of those little in between sections where you're just traversing across what is typically a ski slope and it's only it's really only purpose is to serve as a connector between the trails. It's like there's not there's nothing that's supposed to be challenging about this part of the trail. Right. And so I think they probably just don't maybe like offer as much maintenance on it. But we were coming out of a big berm uh, just heading down the, the mountain, which if you're unfamiliar, it it the berm offer you like a sort of like a little turbo boost when you come off of them. They're, they're pretty remarkable. It's like yeah. it's like being on a roller coaster right. except your cart is not attached to rails it's just like you can feel g-forces right because you get sideways you get sideways yeah, yeah yeah and so you can like you can like feel the weight of your body and the bike like pressing into the ground and and with that and with the momentum you yeah you come like 
yeah shooting out of it exactly yeah. pretty good um so anyway yeah we're shooting into this to the, like the the ski slope traverse uh in between area there off the berm and there's just this big like like sort of ditch in like the middle of the road which is not supposed to be there i think it was caused by like water runoff from like the rain yeah yeah right it's like a naturally occurring ditch in the road and i mean i just saw it way too late hit it a little nose heavy all like pretty pretty sure what happened is the bike uh momentarily like slowed down a lot which caused uh my body to move start my body to start moving faster than the bike which is a bad position to be in because then the bike started moving again nose still down uh, the nose then hits the ground, but again, my body is moving faster, so I then go past the nose of the bike. Objects and motions uh, tend to remain in motion. Yes, yeah, yes. So the problem yeah. was my body remained in motion, but for the briefest of seconds, the bike did not, and that made a huge difference. Yeah, because I just went right over the handlebars. Uh, I have to. I can't. I have to assume I slammed. I think my elbow into the ground. Fortunately, I was wearing pads. Uh, we looked at the pads later and like my right elbow pad completely clean. Very nice. The left elbow pad pretty sure saved me from like a shattered elbow because it was it was pretty gnarly. It was. Yeah, it was. It was all but destroyed. And yeah. It was It was so <clears throat> funny, too, because um, well, not funny. It was sad. But the um, like we were trying to assess your damage. And so like looking at you, I mean, you were covered in like road rash and, mm-hmm. and scrapes and, and like blossoming bruises yeah. and all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. But then the shoulder that you were holding, like when we like ran up and, you know, we were like, whoa, Jay's on the ground. It was like completely fine. Yeah. It's I think that one elbow basically, I think I hit the elbow, which popped my shoulder out of joint briefly. Yeah. Uh, which is what caused all the pain. But in hitting the elbow, I switched to the other side of my body which then absorbed all of, like the road rash and scraping and stuff. Yes. Flash my hip. I, I, it's a very weird crash because I am in pain like on so many parts of my body, like actively I, every day, every moment since then. <laughs> but like if I put a shirt on, you can't even tell. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you just, you look it's, like completely ordinary. Yeah. I look very ordinary right here. I don't, I mean, I have a, just the worst bruise on the side of my hip right now. It is gross to look at. It's remarkable. <laughs> it's remarkable. And then there's just, yeah, there's a road rash all over my back and shoulder and stuff like that. So it's, um, uh, I was sadly, it was only our third run of the first day of riding. I know. And, uh, I was, uh, done for the weekend, but, um, that was a bummer, but everyone was very cool about it. Everyone just fortunately we happened since we'd gone to the other side of the mountain where uh, I had crashed actually was right next to a, the very road. The that house we were staying at was yeah. on, which had we crashed just about anywhere else, it would have been a very long trek back to help or yes. anything. So that was lucky. Um, but, but also the fact that you didn't have a like a head injury. Yes, like, this is this <clears> is like having dealt with the the small myriad of crashes that we've had over the past couple of months uh with our riding group i think that i have become just like painfully aware of how scary hitting your head is yeah um and so you know of course we had we we talked about it on the pop probably 10 episodes ago now uh but our our good friend michael austin whose bachelor party we were celebrating he basically landed on his face going off of a jump uh and it was it was like really really hard to see and you know like his his whole eye was just like swollen shut and it was, it was like a whole thing and we didn't have full face helmets and so like the first thing everyone did after that accident was we all went and bought full face helmets yeah and so i mean i, I in the in your particular fall 
it was also the case that the helmet largely did nothing. Well, there were some nicks on it. There for were. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But um, fortunately, I did not hit my head very hard in any way. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. So I, I think on the whole, it was kind of like, OK, let's get this guy full of you know <laughs> ibuprofen, some some bandages, yeah. some anti uh, bacterial stuff yeah yeah nothing will turn you into like a, a paramedic faster than uh your friend's bike crashing because suddenly everyone's like yeah let's do this let's do a patch up over here oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we probably should take some classes yeah maybe maybe get, get some proper first aid under yeah. our under our old belts we but. did fortunately have a first aid kit that beth got me as a sort of joke sort of serious thing uh for christmas we should link it because it is a spectacular first aid kit we should yeah it was it very would, helpful we, we were incredible you should welcome. have it you should just have it in your car just, yeah. just cause. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, okay. So moving, moving, moving on from, from your bike crash. Cause we, we had to discuss it. It was of course, first and foremost, I, I want to take a hard, hard right turn into a, a possible realization that I had, uh, in, in the field of cinema and film, oh. uh, on, on the drive home. So, you know, it was, you know, it's a big, long drive home from the bachelor party. That's the best segue I can give you. Okay. So like I'm sitting there and I'm just, I'm like pondering things and, <laughs> Uh, it's always really funny. Like when we're hanging out with some of the guys who don't spend as much time around us in the context of what we do professionally, Yeah. because I do feel like then these questions come up where they're like, Oh, like what, like what was your take on this movie or what were your thoughts on this or, you know, like whatever. And so it's kind of fun because it is like one of these opportunities to like take a, a piece of media that like maybe we were particularly like frustrated with or had some like hot takes on or something like where maybe it doesn't totally fit into how we approach our fandoms here on the Super Carlin Brothers channel, which typically okay. the, the goal I would say is we want to come together around these things. Yeah. Like, like it is never my goal when we discuss any of our fandoms to, uh, to, to try to inject into the divisive nature of some fandoms, right? You know, like where, where some people might be like, like, oh, I loved this and I hated this. And it's like, you're either on team loved it or hated it, but it's like, we all love star Wars. Right. You know? And it's like, and <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Right? I know what like, you're yeah, saying. No, yes. Nobody hates star Wars more than people <clears throat> who love star Wars. Yes. Um, so, but, but like one topic in particular that I think has gone round and round and round and round and round and round and round is the last Jedi. Oh boy. Yes. So, and, yeah. and I'll, I'm going to be, I'm going to tread with caution here. Like tread. again, I want to be clear. My goal is not, is not to, um, is not to try to separate our unity here as a collective, yeah. uh, as people on this channel. My, my goal is just to, uh, maybe, in, include some bits of information or maybe a discovery or um, a, a perspective yeah. that I felt like I gained over the weekend as we were discussing this particular film um, because it's the last Jedi has, has felt like an odd one where it's kind of like the general discussion around the movie that as far as I'm concerned is it seems like um, many people who truly understand film and media and cinema regard it as the most well executed, the most well shot, the most functionally correct Star Wars movie there is. Like it is the best in in ways that most other Star Wars movies aren't even like really competing in. Sure. And and so and I can give it that accolade as well. Like I don't disagree with that sentiment. Okay. So generally what I've said about The Last Jedi is I think that it is a really good movie. It's just not a good Star Wars movie. That's yeah, that there there is this like weird line of like what like what what makes for a good Star Wars movie? Because it's almost like its own genre. 
at yeah. this point. Yes, yes. And so I, I have two thoughts here. I'm going to start with with one of them, and that is like there has been a really big discussion that I feel like has existed, uh, especially with the new Marvel shows that are coming out, which mm-hmm. is this idea that like the the show is meant to be enjoyed on its own. It is not intended like, yes, it will be a part of the greater universe, but let's treat it as its own thing in a vacuum. How well does it tell a story start to finish? Right. And so I think that like when you look at something like WandaVision, for example, where, you know, we know Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is coming and we know that there's been rumored discussions that all of the other Spider-Mans are going to be in the next Spider-Man movie. So it's like there's there's lots of stuff kind of like bubbling around the surface at, as to this thought of like, is WandaVision going to be the thing that sets up the break in separate realities? Right. In, in terms of like how all of a sudden are we going to start pulling these characters from every which way? And I would argue that Loki is also existing in that same mm-hmm. that same conversation with the TVA and all of the different timelines and stuff. Yeah, I mean, they're talking about multiverses all over the place. Exactly. Yeah. So really, really, really what they're doing is is taking our hand and, and, and walking us into what is this going to look like? Because one of the big questions that Marvel constantly has to answer whenever they introduce a new, a new character, Captain Marvel, for example, is where was she the whole time? Because, you know, it's like if there, if there was this great big character, how come she didn't help in New York during the battle of New York in the first Avengers movie? And so, you know, there always has to be that explanation as to like, Oh, well, why weren't they there? They were over here instead. Um, and similarly, hang on a second. Let me see if I can catch my train of thought. Cause it was like, there we go. Running. Fo- okay. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm back. I'm back. So following Endgame, we're stepping into like a whole new saga. So like the Infinity Saga is closed. Right. You know, Thanos, the the Gauntlet, all of that stuff. The Infinity Stones. Hopefully, just put to rest. It's done. And now we're starting a new one. But as we introduce all of these new characters who are going to comprise the the significant players of what will eventually be the new. Avengers, the new um, like big group movies like Civil War, where you start right, seeing yeah. people from every which way. You you need to start telling these stories and and being like, hey, there's this new person, or there is this person who's been around, or whatever the case may be. And again, attempt to answer the question of like, well, where have they been? And so I think that the multiverse, in a lot of ways, is is a really, really, really solid answer to that question because yeah. it's like, okay, where was I? I was in a different universe altogether, but now I can tell you need me here because this this universe is the sacred one and this is the one that we have to protect in order for all of the other ones to continue to to exist and blossom and then when when things are over i'll go back to my camp and you guys will continue to guard this place okay right like so that's that's sort of like my thinking of it but when you have something like wandavision you also have an audience of people who have all come to expect grand ramifications from every new piece of media that we get uh-huh. you know like uh ant-man and the wasp comes out and all of a sudden we realize that there's this quantum realm that we can like yeah. in- intentionally enter right you know the quantum realm is massively significant to how, how end game yeah plays out yeah, right, plays right, out, yeah. right so it's like you know you you go through ant-man and you're like whoa big piece of information just got dropped and i know how this is going to play into the rest of the big story or i know that it will play right into the rest of the big story so again watching wandavision you go into it and you're you're watching a show and desperately wanting everything to be like the setup, you know, like the the ramp that Marvel built that we're, you know, Silencio Brunoing our way off of into right. this brand new multiverse yeah. to deal with. But the other argument is, no, no, no. 
No. Stop, stop looking for how this is going to affect the greater universe. That's not the point of WandaVision. The point of WandaVision is the story of grief. It's the story right. of, of <clears throat> watching Wanda come to come to grips in her own unique way with the loss of all of the people that, you know, she loves. Yeah. And, it, and it's a very powerful story and it's very significant. And, you know, with Wanda at the center of that story, you know, there, there is all of that. But then there's the other layer of it, which is the introduction of a character from the Fox X-Men universe, which Disney has now purchased and owns the rights to brother of the character Wanda, who is Pietro. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pietro from the X-Men universe shows up in WandaVision. Exactly. And you're like, wait a minute. Yes, yes. So, like, all of a sudden, you're kind of like, oh, man, I see what they're doing. And again, we're thinking big picture. We're thinking, like, okay, like, let's go beyond WandaVision. We're not even watching WandaVision anymore. We're watching the start of the great big saga. Right. What is coming next? But also forgetting the fact that we're, like, stage one. We're at Iron Man. Uh Iron Man 2. The Hulk. Like, we're, like, we're we're barely in there. Right. The, The Avengers have not been assembled yet. So it's like to think for for them to do something absolutely spectacularly huge, it's almost like what well, but then then what can we deliver in the future as right, well? Right. Like, are you so like you get to the end of WandaVision and you're like a little bit is it are you trying to ask like, is it disappointing that it was only just a tiny little bottle story about Wanda? I am saying I am I'm asking the question because I think that there are plenty of people out there who would make the argument that stories are supposed to be confined. Mm. And it's like it's good if it's confined. You know, how does it work as a standalone? Well, not that, I I don't want to like I don't, this is an interesting topic for you to bring up on today of all days. Yeah. Because I think there's just certain, I don't think you've seen a certain show yet. And wondered whether or and not. One, yeah. Okay. So I don't know how to weigh in on Loki, but you do. Uh, correct. Yes. And we're, I don't want to like spoil anything for you. Okay. Yeah. So we're on different sides of a curtain, but we're, by the time people hear this, they'll the, be on yeah, your side of the curtain. Certainly by the time, yeah, you're watching this on the premiere or when this comes out, I'm sure you will be on my side of the curtain. Okay. And it affects a lot of what you're saying a lot. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. Okay. I'm fine with that. My, my, so the, the great big grand question is how much do you require <clears throat> these, especially in universe shows where realistically like each movie in my mind is becoming an episode it's like i understand that there are directors and actors and stories and and source material and underlying themes and important values that any one movie is delivering but like i also feel like i am i i cannot look at a detail of of the big picture you know like and, and appreciate it Maybe not that I can't appreciate it, but like I think that I always want to know how how does it fit into well, the big. And frame. I think it's I think I think things are different now because like I think if you're watching Iron Man, Iron Man Two, Thor, Captain America, the First Avenger, or whatever, like no one's ever done Avengers Endgame before. Sure, and, you know maybe maybe the people writing it don't even necessarily know where they're going. Okay, but and like you don't you don't know in what possible ways things could come together or that that details you brought up in Thor like oh yeah like we said that because we were writing Thor but now we just sort of like we need that not to be true anymore or we have to like write around that stuff like you know whatever whatever the case may be but like now we're in now you're in phase four and it's like we already had we had the entire infinity saga and people now know like now if we put something in people are looking right so it's like I do think it is more intentional now but I think you're right like I it's much more like you're watching 
episodes. But the question is, how do the streaming shows fit in? Because I would say previously, like if you watched uh, Agents of Shield, like Agents of Shield or Daredevil or Luke Cage or something, like the rule always seemed to be that the movies could have ramifications on the shows, but it was absolutely never the other direction. Correct. Like nothing that happened in Luke Cage. It's not like, oh, wow, good thing I saw Luke Cage because now I understand something that's happening in Ant-Man. Correct. You know, like it it always goes down. But now you have these... um, you have these shows coming out on Disney Plus, which are like almost bigger movies. They're they, like there is, yeah. I like I would I would make the argument that they are that it went from a one way street where you could affect from from film down to now. I want the argument to be that it's a two way street. That right, the, it, like that that seeing these shows yeah. is, I mean, it doesn't need to be the like introducing the big bad or something like I I'm okay with waiting for it to be something else. I I'm so frustrated that I haven't seen Loki yet. Cause the expressions that you're giving me right now. Um, okay. This is going to be hilarious. I'm hundred <laughs> percent sure. Um, it, it can introduce the big bad. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, what I'm attempting to say though, is that like, I, think that in order for WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki and in whatever else we get, you know, going forward, I think in order for those to be the worthwhile investments that I would argue they absolutely are mm-hmm. is that they need those ramifications. Like uh, I, yeah. I am all in on those being important <clears throat> like to required and, watching not I, required I mean, required always does feel like you know i appreciate the ability to uh offer enough exposition in any story that you could sit down and watch Endgame and by the end of it be excited that right you know cap catches the hammer or whatever well, yeah i mean i feel certain that you know if you go because wanda is going to be in doctor strange too right yeah. like that's confirmed and i feel pretty confident that even if you didn't watch a single episode of wandavision that when wanda shows up in her brand new sparkly costume and like they will give you like the one paragraph summary of kind of what happened yes They'll, you know it'll be like you know um you, you well, i'm it- looking for my children who got lost you know in time or whatever and it's like what happened to you like n- new costume like was, you know they'll make a joke about it or something right like but you won't need to have seen wandavision i doubt it's like in the same way with like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like when when Sam next shows up in a movie in his full Captain America costume, like you're not going to one you're not going to question like, "Wait a minute, where did he get that?" Like you'll just you just know like, "Oh, yeah, it it'll make sense." Like, yeah, Steve gave Sam the shield. Now here he is as Captain America. Like Right. But, right. but if you want to go back and see the in-between, like the backfill, it, it does exist. Yes. So there is that and I think that's probably how like WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier are mostly have mostly operated thus far. Okay. I am not so sure about Loki. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Reasonable. Yeah. I, I like to think of it almost as like a two-way mirror. Uh but like it's it's you're the person who's looking at the mirror and if you're just watching um Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, you will be able to see yourself looking back at you, which is the purpose of a mirror. Mm-hmm. And I feel like watching these shows is understanding that it's a two-way mirror and that there's something else behind the mirror. Oh, wow. That was a, that was quite a metaphor there. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Just, just thought of it as we were talking. Well, not, just just because you bring up mirrors, let me take another hard left turn. Oh, dear. Yeah, because we, we were like blowing our minds last week discussing mirrors and how the mirror versus you was like... You, it's it's their left hand but it's your right hand whereas if you like 
No, oh no, absolutely no. This, that's absolutely correct. Oh, okay, okay. You know, if okay. you're staring in a mirror, the person you're staring at, like you're seeing a reflection of your right hand, but mirror, it's actual mirror versus you's left hand. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So to that end, it occurred to me that like whenever I style my hair, I style it so that it, I think it looks good in the mirror. Oh. So I was just like, I was thinking, I was like. Have I been styling my hair on the, the wrong side the whole time? Like it was, it was like blowing my mind. I'm like, because I think I want it. I want it to look like how it looks in the mirror. But it occurs but it's, to me now that it's, it's the opposite it's on to the other else. side. Yeah, it's like everyone else is seeing it on the other side. I'm like, oh no. But this is where I almost think that like you're wrong. Like you're right by being wrong. Like what looks good to you in the mirror is like what it's like you're. I don't know how to explain this. <clears throat> like, I think your hair looks great. Okay. Like, it well, would seem it would seem odd if it went the other way. Well, yeah, to you. <laughs> to me. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, but, like, you only ever see yourself in the mirror. The rest of us see you not in a mirror. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, you don't want to throw us off. Right. Which actually brings me to, like, a, a very brilliant segue into an anecdote. I don't even know, mom and dad, if you're listening, you're going to have to tell me if this is actually true. Okay. There's an anecdote that I feel like I have told about our dad, like, for years and years. Okay. And that was that at some point in time, being a, a TV news broadcaster, he changed the direction of his part the other way. Yeah. And that like it was, it caused tension with the audience and his bosses. I think the the way I've heard that story was that, yeah, like when they, when he started being on air, like they had, you know, stylists and professional image people or whatever okay. coming and like do it. And it was the same way for so long. Then one one day he was just like, I'm just going to do it the other way because I, I like it the other way okay. or something and just like didn't ask anyone. And like, yeah, then his... Uh, then his bosses were all like, you, you can't just change your hair. <laughs> right, right, yeah. It's yeah. like, people rely on your hair. <laughs> they need that hair, John. I know, I know, yeah. So that's, uh, it's it's so funny though, but I've, I've always thought that, that was like the most interesting thing in the world that like this is, that it's like, because it's so critical to how people perceive him, it's like, you can't change your hair. Yeah. Uh, and similarly, I actually had a dream last night that I was like shaving like the neck end of my beard and I accidentally just like took off half of my beard entirely and was like, well, now I have to now shave the other half entirely. It out. And yeah. I was like, man, it's going to take months to get back to being bearded. And yeah. now people are going to see me unbearded. Unbearded. It's like a weird fear. <laughs> it's like accidentally messing up my beard. And then the realization that it will take time to return it right to its proper place. Yeah. But it's not face. like it isn't a permanent problem. It's not a permanent it problem, back. but it is the case that I would, I, during this period of time that I'd be filming lots of content where That's it would true. become a permanent, it would, it would be preserved on the internet permanently Yes, because you would be, yeah, you would be filmed so heavily. Okay. So I also have to tell you this because, uh, one, one odd thing about my mustache, uh, or beard combo, yeah. you know, they're, they're like separate Your facial hair, my facial hair. Yeah. They're like separate features, but also, come together and, and join hands to be one one feature right um so i people I, i've grown my beard out longer and again if you've been listening to the pop for a long time um th there was like a period of time that actually started with our with our first pregnancy uh where i was like oh like i'm gonna i'm gonna go nine months like a nine month beard and yeah, that was the real reason that I was doing it originally. Oh, okay. Because I was like, you know, as as like Alan when was, you, you when you were pitching everyone else on year of the beard. What? Yes. Yeah. What I actually meant was pregnancy of of the beard. Ah, uh, but you didn't um, want to like announce that you were pregnant yet. Yeah, it was too early to announce. I and see. then, and in some capacity, we it ended in a miscarriage, which is um, 
it, you know, it was obviously, it was very sad, but it was also kind of like one of those things where it was like, well, maybe it was a good thing I didn't make it, make it out to be, out to be that, that reason. Mm-hmm. That's why I was doing it. Oh, okay. But so it, similar to how I grew out my beard to begin with, which was just like me and you did no shave November. And at yeah. the end of it, I was kind of like, oh, I actually don't mind this. I'm just going to keep it. And mm. I just have never shaved it ever since. Um, well, I may have shaved it, but like, you know, I've kept the beard the whole time. Um, but so before I grew out my beard longer, there was one side of my mustache that really doesn't connect as well as the other side. I see you have like a dead space or something. Yeah, there, there, it's yeah. A, it's like a like an area where like my beard is just like less full. And um, for a long time, people like I remember like used to like leave comments and stuff like that. And they're like, why doesn't your beard connect? And I think that they thought I was just making like, you know, trimming mistakes and like accidentally right. like consistently cutting. And it's not the case. It's this just like fashion decision. <laughs> I know. But so it got cleared up rather significantly by way of just growing my beard longer so that like it, it filled in all of the it filled in the hole basically. Yeah. So what's been really interesting about it is that like my, my beard on the whole is, is kind of like only okay-ish. Like it's not like a very like robust, like full beard, but my mustache is, Mm, it's like, yeah. So it's like my, the, the woman who, um, who cuts my hair, who I've been working with for like eight years now or something. Um, she is always like, she's like, man, your mustache game is like great. You know, it's like if you just if you just ever wanted to go like only mustache, you'd be like, in maybe ec- maybe you should. I know, well, and they, so here here is hmm. here is the query. Uh, it has been like one of these things where it's like, well, maybe what I should do is just try to see what I would look like with only a mustache. Hmm. And and like, but then it's like you know, I mean, and it, it's so funny because I could do like the like the twisted up thing oh, could on you? the ends. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it'd be like, but then I'm also like, am I that guy? Are you mustache guy? And I have no issue with that guy. I need to be very clear about that. Like, that's not something that like I would that like I see that and I'm like, (laughs) choice. Hmm. Uh, I'm like, nice. And I would probably tell people like, love that mustache. Whoa. Um, But it's kind of like it's like, you know, you you see yourself in the reflection of the of the of the self uh, identity mirror, as it were, not a legitimate mirror, but like Mm. the way that you see yourself out in the world. And I'm like. Do I see myself as like a, a beeswaxed mustache kind of kind of fellow? Oh, I bet it would get a lot of comments. <laughs> I bet it would get a lot of comments, comments. are good for the YouTube algorithm, but do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, leave a comment if you're if you're on this plan. Also, I absolutely cannot do it until after uh, Mike and Sammy's wedding next next month because they would murder me. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Remember when Ben tried out a mustache for a week? Yeah, it's the in week- all the pictures. <laughs> Great. Forever. Yep. Yeah, so. That'd be great. I haven't committed to it yet. Okay, yet. Not yet. Okay, so. Let Ben know how much you want the mustache, everyone. I know. Okay, so we were were skittering along in my conversation about The Last Jedi that actually formed into a conversation about about Marvel. Right, Star Wars. Let's circle back. We're going to come full circle. Okay, so here here is my my grand conclusion to to everything. Uh, And I think it works. I think that it works, but I want to know if you guys also think that it works because I think that the last Jedi came out during a period of time where there was a stylistic choice that was happening in other forms of media, which people refer to as the subversion of expectations Ah, still going on, still going on. Yeah. So the, the subversion of expectations, you and I talk about a lot about how like frozen was a great example of this Yes. where like, you know, you think you're watching this, your, your classic, uh, fairy tale princess story where, you know, there's true love's kiss that saves the day. And at the end of the story, what actually happens is it's on a sacrifice, like the, the familial, the, the sibling love that is, 
the the act of true love that actually like saves everything. Right. It's not romantic love. It's not romantic love. Yeah. And you're like, and it's a. I think it is so well executed. <clears throat> it's, it's it's that, and then it's the Hans reveal as well. Right. Because Hans in every other movie is just actually the prince who saves the day. Right. And they right. like they get it twice because like you think it's Hans, and then you're like, oh no, they tricked me. It wasn't Hans, and you're like, that's okay because it was Kristoff, but then it also wasn't Kristoff. Yes, it's a double. Whammy. It's a double whammy. But yeah. so what? What I want to identify about this particular execution is that I think that it is a really good execution of the genre that is subversion of expectations. Oh, see, see, okay. Okay. So it's not, if you call it a genre, all of a sudden it doesn't just mean that subverting expectations is a good thing. It's like, just because it's a horror movie doesn't mean it's a good movie, but there are good horror movies, mm -hmm. but not all horror movies are good. Not all subversion of expectations is good Game of Thrones. Um, so it's like you've a lot of Game of Thrones subversion of expectations was good. It was. It was like you like, don't think you don't think. Ned Stark is actually going to die or Rob Stark. Yeah. You know, you don't think the red wedding, like you're watching, you're like, this feels pretty irreversible. Right. Oh, it's real. Oh, that's okay. it. Wow. That's just, that's just over. I the thought, the I bad thought, guys just actually won. Okay. Oh, wow. That's how they're going to do it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I thought Rob was the main character. <clears throat> no, he's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Turns never in the show again. Popcorn culture is supported by arena club. Okay. So you guys know that I love trading card games and that me and Ben are big time collectors of Pokemon cards. You know, it's that childhood fantasy of finally being able to use adult money to buy those highly coveted rares of our youth. And like even in our office, we have not one, but two full display cases with some of our all-time favorite rarest cards that we've pulled. But something I did not know existed when I was a kid in my youth was the grading process for trading cards or sports cards or whatever you're collecting. You know, to me, it was just like a rare Charizard is a rare Charizard. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's been hanging out in my pocket with my lucky paper clip. Turns out it does matter and kind of a lot because if you get your cards professionally graded, it can add huge value and then not only that but once they're graded they will like seal them in that pristine condition inside of a plastic case or what's known in the industry as a slab and that's where arena club steps in because it's like buying a booster pack but it's for a pre-graded card now, I know that can take like maybe a second to wrap your head around because you're opening physical cards on a digital platform, which means you open the pack online and see your polls where they can be added to your showroom for the world to see. But you can also request them to be sent to you at any time. So they have got a ton of pre graded cards and then you will get to randomly open one and then they'll keep it for you or they can send it to you or you can just like sell it or trade it online or whatever you want to do. But whether you're buying, selling, trading or or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have got to check out. And right now you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash pop pop, which wow, that is a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's like $40 right there. Anyway, that's arenaclub.com slash pop pop for 10% off your first purchase. Popcorn Culture is sponsored by Shopify. Y'all are likely aware of the fact that we have our very own Shopify store, Carlin Brothers Mercantile, and it's hard to imagine not having it now, but arriving at the decision to open our own web store was a big one. 
In fact, we started our journey on the interweb back in 2012 and didn't finally open up shop until 2018. And a huge part of that is just not knowing where to start, but that's where Shopify steps in. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, which is a fancy way of saying it's a really easy and effective way to start an online business, no matter if you're operating out of your garage or have like a whole building or three or something. Once we were set up, our biggest concern was trying a new product only to discover no one was interested in it. But Shopify is powered with so many reports, more than you can even imagine. And this is so handy because it allows us to use data to better provide what folks are actually interested in. It's so easy to use, but even if you do find yourself caught in a jam, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash pop pop. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash pop pop now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash pop pop. Um, but yeah, so, okay. So here, here is like the thing that I feel like I, that I feel most comfortable with is, is that like, I feel like people applauded the last Jedi for subversion of expectations. Like the moment when, you know, the, the famous lightsaber that Darth Vader cut off of Luke's hand has been recovered by, you know, Maz who gives it to Ray, who goes through this entire saga of, of discovery and then finds Luke, who is like the missing piece to everything and, and reaches out very famously, like at the end of the movie where Mark Hamill says absolutely no words. And you're like, whoa, like, yeah, how, how is he going to respond? It's just like, this is unreal. Like, whoa, like so fun, such good Star Wars. Right. You know, it's like, it's, it's like, it's epic. There's great music. There's great camera angles. There's like unspoken tension in the moment. And then you get to the last Jedi and, and the, it's like, you know, the, the handoff occurs and, and, and I would say it's a bad horror movie. Like, right. Like it's, like it's bad subversion of expectations, right? Like Luke does something you didn't expect. And like, it does subvert your expectations, but just because it did that doesn't make it good. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so that is why I think subversion of expectations is a genre, not like it's, it's like, it is something that can be executed well or not well. Well, the interest because it did it yeah. doesn't mean it's good. I agree with that. This is like uh, <laughs> I always, this is this is gonna sound like such a random comparison, um, but I always used to think about this when I was when, when I was watching uh, Yu Gi Oh as a kid. Okay, because in the first season of Yu Gi Oh, Maximilian Pegasus, the big villain of the show, has the Millennium Eye and he can see his opponent's cards, which gives him you know this magnificent advantage, just unstoppable or whatever. Of course, he's also the creator of the game, so he can just cheat and give himself whatever he wants. But um, Anyway, I always thought like, yeah, like it doesn't seem it's like it's great that he could see the opponent's cards, but if you can't do anything about it, it doesn't matter whether or not you can see them. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? It's like just because you can like see the thunderclouds coming doesn't mean you can do anything about the storm. Sure. That's a very good point. (laughs) That's a very good point. Like, yeah, just because you can see a bad that. Yeah, it's like it it doesn't matter if you still can't defend against it. Right. Anyway, 
Um, the thing about subversion of expectations as like a as like a potential genre is that you can only successfully subvert expectations when expectations have been established. Also true. Which is why I think Frozen was so successful. Is because, because you, everybody knows how fairy tale stories yeah, go. Everyone's seen every Disney movie a thousand times, and he, and it like it was I guess Tangled came out first, but um you know this was like this big musical Disney princess movie. And like, it's always gone the same way every time. And because like they use that knowledge against you yes, and like to great effect, yes. I would, like frozen is my favorite example of subverting expectations. I right. think it's just masterpiece. And then I think like Disney tried to repeat over and over with like Wreck-It Ralph and Zootopia. And they're like, Oh, but and I, and I don't think those do as good a job. Like sure. they have like their twist villains at the end, but it's not, it's not the same. Those are more just like twist villains. Not, I don't, I wouldn't even say it successfully subverts you sure sure, sure sure yeah but. No, i understand that and and i mean yeah because that's a good point like you know the fact that it's uh um meriwether in zootopia who ends up being uh yeah bell bellwether bellwether yeah. bellwether yes the the small ship the adorable <coughs> yeah. like like uh, you know what seems like assistant to the giant lion guy who is like whatever um that that is more like the Hans reveal, yeah, a, a little bit where it's like, oh, twist, okay, didn't see that coming. But I, I again, I think with Frozen, you can you can double down to the tune of the sisterly love versus yeah. the romantic love, and right? Like, and like that's really like what what seals it. I agree you know, that much further. Yeah. Um, but so I, if and correct me if I'm wrong. So maybe what you were saying a little bit here is you can only subvert expectations in situations where the expectations have already been set. But if you start to expect subverted expectations, then what does that do? That yeah. Then then is the subversion just to do what's expected? Exactly. Mm. Yeah. It's like it's like oh, everybody thinks it's going to be a twist. It's not a twist. It's just exactly what happened. Great subversion of expectations. And it's like no, that's just expectations. That's just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. 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 Yeah. Because I, I feel like I've heard people provide accolade to that thought. Like everybody thought it was going to be a twist ending. And you know what? It wasn't a twist ending. So ha, huh, and all you people. And it's like no. No, that is a bad defense. This is this is basically what WandaVision did. It's exactly they played what ag- they did. played against your expectation of the subversion, subversion of expectations because you're like it's going to be something big, it's going to be something crazy, it's going to be some weird reveal, and it was just like no, it was it was it was Agnes the whole time. It was pretty obvious it was Agnes the whole time. It was Agnes, right? right Except yes. oh, slash slash not really because she doesn't do. She's just also there. She's I just don't a, she just also arrived. She's just also there. It was mostly Wanda. Right, right, right. yeah. <laughs> Everything yeah, yeah. was Wanda. Right, right, yeah. right. So, in, but you're exactly right. That's a very good example of it where, yeah, you keep thinking this like this like very unexpected conclusion is going to happen versus the classic Marvel approach to have the villain basically have the exact same powers as the hero. Yeah. You know, it's like if, if Ant-Man can get small, so can the villain. So can the villain. And if gonna, Wanda's a witch, then the enemy's a witch. And Vision's a cyborg, guess what? Another Vision. Let's go. Right, right. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're constantly... <clears throat> You're constantly watching that unfold. The thing that I have been that I've been very curious about with with Loki the entire time is the fact that he is a trickster, and it's strange to think of being a trickster as a um like as a power. Yeah, but it's like oh my gosh, oh the if, the mind if, games that plays with you as the viewer. I know, I know. Yeah. It's it it is actually a rather unique power to to anticipate. Like what is what would the foil to trickster's power be? Other than an even better trickster. Right. You know, and is like is like Loki's like 
and of course I'll know by the time this, anybody else is hearing this, but, uh, you know, is it him overcoming his trickster nature and no longer being a trickster? I don't know. I need to though. Yeah. Don't give me any visual clues. I, give, yeah, I, won't, don't, I won't tell you anything. There you go. Yeah. Um, so anyway, subversion of expectations. I'm out. There you go. So like, wait, so you, where, where do you land on the last Jedi then? <laughs> oh, I think it's, I think it is a poor execution of, I think last Jedi is technically good for so many reasons. I think it's a version of expectations uh, fails. in terms of genre mm-hmm. fails. I think it's, I think it's bad. I think, I think the fact that like Leia flies through space is not good. Um, <laughs> like, because, because especially even with this, where the story ultimately ends up going, like, uh, when Kylo Ren kills Han Solo, the big thing to me in The Force Awakens is like, is like you believe what happened there is Kylo Ren killed his father. The, oh, you know what? The Leia thing is a great example because Leia otherwise dies within like the first like 20 minutes of the movie, I think, or like when she gets blasted by Kylo Ren into space or not, but not by him, by his other cronies. Oh, yes, yes, right. Yes. Yeah, she's like off floating in space and like it happens so early in the movie that like had they just let it happen that alone would have subverted my expectations like oh my gosh they killed off big guns real early and like like let it happen like that was insane so it was like i was almost like obviously i was really sad that i thought the character was dead of course like no way but like at the same time then when she was like back alive i was like oh are you kidding yes like yes yeah and and let me tell you and i thought it was gonna work perfectly i thought it was gonna work beautifully because it's not kylo ren who ultimately pulls the trigger right Right. and so if you go back to the han solo moment you have this situation where they're talking to each other as father and son and it's like he's basically like help me dad like help me and what ultimately happens is the the lightsaber turns on and you're sort of like no like he like did he like manipulate it it's a it's a it's a great ambiguous situation like yes did did kylo ren like deceive him into this into like letting him get close with the lightsaber or was he genuinely asking for help in which case Han pressed the button and if if because in my mind it's like if Han presses the button and Han is looking at him and he's like I understand like I have to sacrifice myself because you have to kill me and the only way for you to continue doing good is for everyone else to think that you killed me and it's like I am with you I have your back I will press the button. Right. You don't have, this is me. My death is me supporting you. Right. Not you <clears throat> turning your back on me. And to me, the way that I see Kylo Ren as a character at that point in time is like, he effectively can't turn to the dark side because the only thing that he could have done to do that, to like fully go like from 99 to hundred to 99 to hundred is to kill his father. Right. Or to kill one of his parents. Right. And then ultimately that's the same thing that happens. So you're in this like air raid situation. He's got her on lock. He can press the button. They're both sensing each other. And it's like, he doesn't do it, but then someone else does. And it's the same situation as Han. It's like, it's like he, it's like the the bad guys shot themselves in the foot because now the only other remaining opportunity that he could have gone to, the links he could have gone to to have like made to made his commitment to the dark side has also been taken from him. Right. And so it's like like Oh, you know what you could have done you know what you really could have done. Lay it on me. Had yeah, I will lay it on you. Oh, oh wow, wow, wow. Was have them having that connection and then have her make one of the other pilots pull the trigger. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. That would have been good. That would have been it right Especially there. Especially if there was like a small gesture because we don't know that Leia is force sensitive yet. Like exactly. That she could have made that ultimately <clears throat> like when you come back and watch it knowing that she is force sensitive, you're like, <gasps> yes, like, like, like she, because like that's what you'd be like, wait, was that? 
Like, yeah, yeah, like, like if she like kind of like, like kind of like lifts her hand and like, you yeah. know, like, like almost even like does like a joystick movement <clears throat> or like a press of a yeah. thumb or something. Well, because you've seen her like you saw her like feel Han's death from afar. Yes. You know, like there's some amount of force sensitivity and she sort of talked to Luke in Empire. You don't yeah. know that she's a fully trained Jedi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's like, you know, the fact that <clears throat> the fact that you're learning that by way of her being blasted into space and then space traveling um you know back to the ship or whatever is it, it's kind of like you went from you went from like knowing that she had force sensitivity like maybe at 10 out of 100 to like 180 yeah like, you know, oh. It's like, oh wow she can survive in space and fly and okay yeah this is this is this is new unprecedented big mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. so anyway that's 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 where i land on it um and i, I mean it's it's like one of those things you can go round and round and round well, all day and it's it, just a question of like what what is important to you about cinema what is important to you about star wars oh i know this is like like what's when you ask like what's what's your favorite star wars maybe it's such like a hard question like even when we do the reviews we have to like give ratings it's like what is the rating about and like for me it's typically just like how much did i enjoy this movie yeah you know not like a what is it is what is the cinema quality of this well, and we're you not know, qualified yeah. to make those decisions. Sure. Like, you know, and, I mean, that's what it really comes down to is, I mean, we, we have not like worked film sets, you know, we're not, we've, we've studied movies. We've actually, spent- actually, Ben, let me just say that I have worked on a film set. Uh, and I want to bring this up because someone in the Reddit posted that, uh, they, they remember me mentioning that I worked on the movie Lake Effects starring yeah. Jane Seymour. Nice. And it turns out in 2020, Jane Seymour starred in a movie called, wait for it, Friendsgiving. No way. Can we only assume that she that she remembers having worked with me briefly and then and, listens, and then to, the listens to the pop? I think I mean everybody what knows. Else? We all know Jane Seymour, huge fan of the pop. <laughs> we all know it. We all know it. Absolutely spectacular. Absolutely. If there's a reference to Istanbul Van Pavia anywhere <coughs> mm-hmm. in, in Friendsgiving. In Friendsgiving, then I will say headcanon. If there is a single French fry in that movie. A single. A s- even one. If even it opens, one. If it opens on a scene of French fries, then wow. I will be even more. Con- we should get really into Jane Seymour <coughs> theories. Yeah, right. Dr. Quinn, medicine woman, right? Maybe. Yeah, That's, that was her. Okay. sure. Okay. 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 All right. So anyway, <coughs> we, we, uh, we, we've, we've We've spent time there. We've spent time there. We can we can now depart um, into the the next topic of the day. Okay. Let's see if I've got one for you. Okay. The illusion of certainty is intoxicating. <laughs> the illusion of certainty is intoxicating. Is intoxicating. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let me give let me give the little colonels a little um, background here because yeah, this this quote I believe I sent it to you. You you sent it to me <coughs> and it has like resonated like a tuning fork oh, inside of me. Well, Beth sent it to me first and I was like, oh man, it, yes, it was like it was like someone had put into words something I've been like ruminating on for years. Yeah. Like, what am I trying to say? Okay, so I will. Re- you this was from the instagram account of adam grant uh who just uh posts a lot of very positive um quotes and stuff like this which i guess are of his own origin maybe hopefully i think so i think they're all at at the very least we will give credit as far as we know how to give credit i think this is an adam grant original i think he i think he's like a psychologist or something i don't know he has a lot of followers uh and i i've been enjoying following on instagram so uh anyway here's the full quote give it to me asserting an opinion forcefully doesn't make it come true the person you're most likely to convince is you beware of conviction masquerading as knowledge the illusion of certainty can be intoxicating the hill you're willing to die on may be one you shouldn't have climbed 
Yeah. Such powerful stuff. Oh, no. I was like, oh, that's all. That is all just exact. That's exactly it. The, okay. And this is so like I've had gripe with with things for a while. I think um, when when I see folks post uh, and, and not that I not that I am ever upset that someone's advocating for anything. But if they're uh, like um, advocating with like a raised voice. Uh, typically, oh, yes. you know, is is like where I draw the line. I'm like, I think that you have you you are now officially only speaking to people who only agree with you instead of speaking to people uh, who, at at the very least, I would argue you are you are creating the illusion that you are attempting to speak to them when in reality you are not speaking to them because nobody ever changes their mind because they were yelled at. Right. Well, that's the front half of that quote, which is the the person you're most likely to convince is you. Yes. So the thing that, that, that I think has always boiled me from the inside out with, with moments like this is, is this, this, uh, extreme curiosity that I have in my brain that, and I've, I've never really been able to articulate it before, but like, I see people like make these comments or, or stand behind something that, that might be like more of like a, like a new, like, like a new movement that hasn't maybe been around so long. And it's kind of like, all of a sudden you're, you're like vehement about it. And I'm like my, my jealousy. And that's what it is, is like, you know what you stand for. Like, and and that's, and I'm saying, saying jealousy and I'm saying, you know what you stand for. But really what I'm saying is you have given me the illusion of certainty that you feel so certain about this topic that you are willing to post this thing that is like yelling into the void Mm, and strong opinions about strong things, strong opinions about strong things. And when I see that, I'm like, I wish I had your conviction. Like I wish I knew that like I could, I could see that and have absolutely no questions and know that it is 100% the right thing, which is, from my perspective, I the only scenario in which you would be sharing something like this is because you are it is hardened facts. Like you know it, you believe it, you're you are like like so well equipped to have made this statement. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I that I know that you know about me because it comes up constantly is that like I am always asking these like great big giant what is the meaning of life questions. Yeah. And I think that depending on the person who's listening, these conversations are either fun and engaging or incredibly stressful. Yeah. Um, And I I think that like sometimes it's like, why are we trying to tackle this question? This is not like an answerable question. And uh, this past weekend, you and I were we were at the bachelor party and we were at dinner and we were having a a conversation about like the idea of utopia. And we were, you know, going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Right. And it was like this big thing that I think like kind of went from just like this pie in the sky discussion to like maybe being like right on that fence of like tense a little bit. And so walking away from it and, and like really spending time thinking about like, why am I asking these questions? Like what, what am I trying to accomplish when I'm asking them? Like what, what, cause, because it's like, I know that I'm curious, but I, I I've never really known why I'm curious. Like wh- what is at the core of all of it right because like from the outset it doesn't seem like there's like a like it it feels like from the outset even you know there's not like an obvious answer yeah right and so most of the time what i'm what i'm genuinely trying to do is to learn so so my my general belief would be that if you were to take 10 people and be able to combine all of their experiences into one consciousness that you would have a person who is now super powered because 
they would have knowledge and perspective and and all of these things that would fill mm. in so many gaps that exist in my own existence. Ah, or would you have a camel? You might have a camel. You yeah. might, where there's a lot of competing ideas. Um, but I think in a lot of ways, the question is the answer. Mm-hmm. So, so my question is, you know, what, what is at the core of all this? Why am I like, what, where is this curiosity spawned from? Like, what am I trying to accomplish with, with asking all of these things over and over and over again? Like, what is the meaning of life? What is the most important thing? Like all of this <laughs> it's stuff. Be like very hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy here. Like, Maybe. Um, what is the, the answer is 42. Yes. <laughs> what is the question? Right. The question is the answer. <laughs> well, so, but for me, what it is, is it is the, it is this desire to feel so to feel this certainty about something like I don't actually know what cause it is that like that I like can can take all of these different like problems of the world and and take like all of these tendrils from them and all of these strings and tie them right into the core of a belief that I like stand behind because if I can find the middle of that then I would be able to have a kind of like certainty about my worldview mm-hmm. that I think would like it would unlock I feel like m- what I feel like my as as like, like what's ben your Carlin, purpose what is my purpose is mm-hmm. right. like like I don't know if this is the case for more people but very frequently especially around like election time and stuff like that like when I'm, if I'm like watching debates or interviews or whatever the case may be, I'm always imagining myself in the chair. Like, what would I have said? What would I have done differently? Like, I think, yeah, I think because so often, like if someone has like a, if you, if you have like found, if you've decided this is your opinion, it is like, it feels safe. Like now I know how I will respond. And like, it feels safe because otherwise, if you have not landed on like a firm opinion, then if someone were to ask you about it and they have a strong opinion, like it would be, it would be worse or embarrassing to just like to not know. And yeah. it's scary to not know. So if you choose, it's like people, it's like, uh, like I, I now choose that I know. Oh, sure. Yes, you know? yes, yes. And it's like, but, but do you? <laughs> right. And, <clears throat> and so that, that's, that's kind of like the thing is, is it's almost like, um, you know, if, if there was like a, like a giant like battlefield where there are, there's like your side and the other side and the other side has this giant like being in the middle that is able to send down like little infantry troops in this giant circle all around it. And my side is going and fighting their side in all of these little things. But at no point in time do I ever realize that I'm supposed to go and attack the guy in the middle who's spawning all of these other Mm -hmm. opponents does that make sense so it's like if if all of these different issues are existing out on the fringe and nobody's ever focusing on the core then it's almost like are we all just being distracted from progress because nobody actually knows what to pay attention to and the thing that you (laughs) as an individual pay attention to is the thing that you are most emotionally attached to Mm -hmm. and so I'm not expecting an answer to that question. That's not something that I think someone could answer or whether or not it's even true. I bet people are offering up answers. Someone probably (laughs) is. But so for, for me, it's like what it comes down to and watching, you know, these, these debates and stuff and politics or whatever. It's like, there is a compulsion inside of me to be involved, you know, like to, to try and go and like make a difference in the world to try and go and like be one of those figures. But it's like, it it comes, it's like, it's like if I could find the answer to these questions and get to that core of everything and could go and firmly believe in in what I was doing, then I would I would sign up to run for office tomorrow. Really? Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it would be like, let's go. 
But like, if I were to go and sign up to run for office now, I genuinely wouldn't have something that I knew I stood for. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, there's, there's not something like where, where, uh, where I feel like I have the solution, you know? So like, all I could do is go in and, and at very, very best attempt to be a, a voice of reason or let other voices be heard. But like, even that is not a strategy, you know, it's, and, and I feel like, you know, if, if you wanted to, to, to make it not so big pie in the sky, you know, like existential or, or whatever the case may be, it, it, I mean, it could literally be even the same reason that like, I don't like to go and play board games is because it's like, I can't look at the game and figure out the strategy fast enough to where it will be compelling to me to sit down and be like, okay, I have, like, I'm centered. I know what I'm trying to do. I know what I'm going to accomplish. And all of my decisions revolve around the the same strategy. And that mm-hmm. strategy is strong. And it's, it's like, rooted in, in <clears throat> knowledge, right. you know, like, that it will work. And if, and if I'm making all the decisions that revolve around that strategy, then I'm never even making a frivolous decision. Right. Like every single decision is the best decision that is, that is capable based on my strategy, which I will stick to. Right. Um, and, and, and I do think that there is a difference between sticking to your guns, you know, sort of like a, like I am never standing down from my point and, and sort of like a, like a core idea mm-hmm. and making sure that everything else that branches off of that core idea, then all, all fits together really nicely. It's like, if, if we make this the goal, then, then it is, it can be the answer to how we handle a lot of these situations mm-hmm. because, because then what we're attempting to figure out is what's the goal. And so most frequently I will ask questions and ask questions and ask questions. And, and really what I'm attempting to figure out is what any other person, any friend that I have, anybody who will talk to me is what is your perception of best case scenario? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that world look like? And this is it's why this whole conversation started is because we we're talking about utopia and it was sort of like, what does that look like to, to any one person? And it's subjective. You right. Know? I mean, not- well, I, yeah. And it's also, I, I mean, maybe not everyone is actively trying to achieve that. It, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's, it's hard to, you know, I mean the, the, me and you talked about this a little bit after the, the discussion and in some capacity, there's like that thought of like, am, am I just going and trying to empty the ocean with a teaspoon? Right. You know? And it's like, it's like you're trying to make you as the teaspoon attempting to make change on the ocean is like, it's like that isn't something you should dwell on because no one will, no one person can ever drain the ocean with a teaspoon. Right. It is, you are physically incapable of doing it. Right. Um, or even making a dent. I mean, the entire population of the earth could take teaspoons to the ocean and not make a dent. Exactly. You know? Yes, it's yes, like, yes. You can't, there's nowhere to put the water. Right. You, can, you know, the water's going back. The water's going to go back. Yeah. Because, because it takes up more than most of the planet. Right. Where's it going to go, guys? Right. <laughs> we can't, we can't just put it into a big mason jar. <laughs> right. So, you know, in a lot of ways, like there, I, th- I think I gained some perspective over the weekend to the tune of like why people might be hesitant to have these conversations with me because maybe you're asking them to try to empty the ocean with a teaspoon. Um, and, but then, but then also I think that maybe what I, what I understood about myself walking away from these conversations is that I am on this quest to figure out whatever that core ideal is. Right. And, so like, and, and if I could figure it out, then mm-hmm. I would, n- I would not stop. Mm-hmm. Well, so you, you need to maybe stop trying to empty the ocean with a teaspoon and just like take a jar down and keep the water with you. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's a good. Like, way this is it. my important water, <laughs> <laughs> and I will do everything to keep this water safe. 
<laughs> Do not mess with my Do jar. Not, I got a bar, I got a jar, Dad. <laughs> I'm gonna get a mason jar of water. Ben's water. Ben's ben, purpose. Ben's pur- Ben's purpose. <laughs> there you go. Oh my goodness gracious! Whoa. I want to know what would be in everybody else's jar. Mm, what's ever, What's in your jar of purpose? Oh my god! What a wow, great. That sounds like the name of your book or something. It does. Man, maybe that should be your new purpose, right? The jar of purpose. The jar. My brain is being shattered like wow. over and over and over again in this conversation. Glad I could help. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> why don't we? Why don't we? Why don't we make our way? Uh, to the door of today's episode with a nice corny joke. Oh, I would love it. Okay, okay. 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 All right, corny joke comes from Maria Rosales, who says, did you hear about the guy who invented knock-knock jokes? Did I hear about the guy? I feel like who's there is what I'm supposed to say. (laughs) (laughs) That is incorrect. Instead, it's he won the Nobel Prize. Oh, I get it because... Yeah, that's hilarious. No more doorbells. Would the advent of the knock-knock joke qualify as Nobel Prize worthy? <laughs> it's like I mean, who doesn't know about knock-knock jokes? No one. You ever? You're never like knock-knock. You're like, what are you, what are you doing? I don't understand I don't what understand. comes next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that a setup or? Uh, it's iconic. So actually, this is. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Um, maybe we can branch it back to Marvel. Just, just, to, just a smidgen here, because uh, I actually do have feedback on this. Uh, We've talked before about the Academy Awards having a category for um, like like cinema that was just what As I'm remembering. I'm remembering a very old episode of the pop and my favorite knock knock joke. What is it? So, OK, ready. Are you ready? Why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side to get to the idiot's house? I don't remember this joke. Knock knock. Who's there? The chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Holy buckets. <laughs> Now that was good, right, Ethan? I hope you. It's added, a twofer. I th- I hope you added a laugh track. <clears throat> yeah, because that was good. That's my favorite one. Man, uh, I feel like I was just gobs gobsmacked. Yeah, you were just got. I was just got. Okay, so anyway, like I was saying, uh, more importantly, um, is we we talked at one point in time about Academy Awards and whether or not there should be an award for something like Avengers Endgame. Like, I agree, it's not necessarily the picture, it's not the movie that should win Best Picture. Um, and and probably it was nominated for you know uh, editing or or sound or or something like that. Like, I, surely there's there's something for it. But uh, I'm thinking of it as as the entity that it is, which yeah. is I would argue a significant piece of of media mm-hmm. um it's like it's substantial it probably changes many things it is the result of you know over 10 years of merging yeah, stories world building and, yeah, yeah 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 it's it's a remarkable feat and so what, what i've discussed before is like should there be a category for like most entertaining film you know, best, best blockbuster film, something like that. And, and I've decided that I don't think that either of those things are, I just think that quite literally, and this goes back to Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, which also did not win an Academy Award because the year that it came out, uh, there was no Academy Award for best animated picture. And so it would be like, there's not a category for this, despite the fact that it's a remarkable feat again in media. And so the following year, they basically created a special Academy Award that they gave to Walt Disney that was one big Academy Award with seven smaller Academy Awards next to it. And that was like his trophy uh, as like a a piece of recognition for Snow White and Seven Dwarfs. Right. And so that is my conclusion is I think that Avengers Endgame should be given an Academy Award for for like achievements in cinema. Yeah. yeah, Special significance in cinema. Right. And that's it. It's not a category. You don't vote on it. It's just like there's no way to ignore the importance of it. Right. Like whether whether you think 
what it did for cinema was a good thing or a bad thing. Like it happened. It happened. And it was big. Yes. And it is a turn. It is a turn in the road. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so it's like it, they, they don't have to have them every year. You know, it could be one of those things where maybe there's a movie that that people perceived uh, had this level of significance and should have earned one. And mm. they would now be able to just fall into that that happy little category of snubbed films. Right. Snubbed yeah, actors, right. Mm-hmm. You know, which is already a thing. We, we already have that. Whether or not you didn't win, whether or not you weren't nominated. Um, and so it's like, oh, man, they totally should have earned the, the, the special achievement award. And so that's my answer to that big question. I think we asked them like maybe the first like 15 episodes of the pop. Okay. Yeah. Is, is I, I would give, if I was on the, if I was a member of the Academy, yeah, I would give Avengers Endgame this award. Okay. Awesome. Me too. Let it be known. Okay. There we go. Otherwise guys, thank you so much as always for tuning in. Be sure to let us know what you would put inside of your jar of purpose because now I need to know um, any any responses that you want to send via email. You can send to popcornculturepod at gmail.com. Uh, we're also over on Reddit. And as an additional reminder, we are going to be moving the popcorn culture video portion over to the YouTube channel, Popcorn Culture, very fittingly from the Super Carlin Brothers. That's going to be a, a slow transition over the next month or so. Yep. So you've got plenty of time. But if you'd like to go and check it out and please subscribe over there, we will continue to have the same show, the same interaction that we always have, just in a just in a new happy home. Just a different spot. Otherwise, guys, until next week, pop, pop. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.